Happy Sunday. How's y'all, how y'all doing? Good? All right, good. We got some beautiful weather outside, so hope you get out and enjoy it this afternoon. Hey, uh, my name's Justin. Please join me in prayer. Our Father, thank you, Lord. Thanks for all the volunteers that went down to, uh, to Baja to serve that family, Lord, and all of our church members, people that helped make that come together. Such an awesome blessing for that family, Lord, and just so grateful to have been a part of it. Lord, and today we're going to be hearing about miracles, Lord, how you work today, how you work in all things. And Lord, we know there are people here who are just uh, coming in today, Lord. They're seeking. You brought them here. We're grateful for that, Lord. Um, we know that, uh, that your word is true. We know that, uh, that you're going to speak to us today, Lord, through Bill. And for each person here, every heart, Lord, we're grateful. We know your hands on Bill as he delivers this message today. It's in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. And there he is. Thank you, Justin. Thank you for going, by the way, down there. Uh, what a great opportunity that is. Uh, we go twice a year, so put that on your to-do list if you're at all interested in it. And, uh, exciting times. Okay, today we are actually continuing our series, and we're going to go into a very strange place. Uh, the goal really is to move from what we know as the natural world, the physical world that we walk in with certain scientific laws and principles that dictate what takes place. We're, we're pretty comfortable with those. We know gravity's there. We know we have to breathe. We know those kind of things take place. We know our heart is beating. The systems are working uh, as we go through. So we know the natural. Today we're stepping into the supernatural where natural laws can be put aside. Things can happen that are unexplainable uh, in human terms uh, without God being involved. So we're, we're moving through this. This is the fifth week of a series, and the series is, is called Acting Out. This is not acting out like in bad behavior of children, although my Sunday school class, several of them act out in that way, but we'll, we'll let that go. I'll hear about that. Uh, the acting out that we're, we're, we're talking about today is Jesus acting out through his followers. This supernatural transformation that takes place inside of a, a human being, a human being with a human nature, uh, all the things going on uh, inside of us, we're transformed. We, we get a, a new reality inside of us. We're told that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, that we'll receive power. Last week, the message was on Pentecost. Now, Pentecost is, is, is literally that time where Jesus sends the Holy Spirit into the disciples, uh, prepares them for ministry. They're, they're in a prayer meeting. They're gathered together. Flames descend down on the place. Holy Spirit starts to fall into people. They speak in foreign languages. Already the supernatural is starting to take place inside of their lives. Uh, they go out and they start manifesting the difference. So they've received power, and that's the change inside, and that's what acts out. And then also, as a follower of Christ, the, it's the most amazing promise and reality for a follower of Christ. If we choose, if we choose out of love for God and love for Jesus Christ, that we lay our lives down. The term is crucified, and, and that's the crucifixion of our old life. If we choose to lay that old life down, and then, and then as we do that, if we're crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but a transformation takes place inside of us. The life we now live is lived through Jesus Christ, who now indwells us. So as a follower of Christ, a biblical follower of Christ, our life is laid down. We start to act out, but it's not us in our natural state. 
It's a supernatural being. We start to have peace where there is no peace. We start to have patience when we didn't used to have patience. We start to, to love even our enemies where there was no love before. It's a change. We start seeing the world through God's eyes and, and, and his hope. It is a supernatural transformation that takes place. That is the first miracle that, that someone experiences when they come to Christ. We'll talk about that as we go on uh, in this area, acting out, because Jesus and the Holy Spirit are in us. So immediately, uh, after the descent of the Holy Spirit, the disciples started a transformation process. And uh, one of the things that they started acting out in is what we call miracles. Miracles. We're, we're, we're told that uh, many signs and wonders uh, you know, were taking place with the Holy Spirit, with the power that was in them. This, this transformation took place. It was not them doing these things. It was God's power inside of them, suspending, if you will, the natural laws to reach into our world and to make changes that there's no explanation for in the natural world. But in the supernatural world, it's absolutely natural because God can do what God wants to do. Uh, acting out is, is what they were doing. Supernatural. Departing from what is usual or normal, especially so as to appear to transcend the laws of nature. We'll talk a lot about the laws of nature because we're governed by them. We've already introduced them, the concept that there's certain things that are there. But this is, they're suspended. Uh, things happen uh, that are unexplainable in our world. You know, we're acting out in miracles. That's exactly what the disciples were doing. This is the memory verse. For those of you who don't do the, the daily study guide or the weekly study guide that we do, this is the memory verse that was, that was given to us this week. Uh, for us to be able to learn. But make the, make the point up front. We want to leave, and again, this is, this is hard. We want to leave our preconceived notions of what is normal. We've got a pretty good grip on those, and we're going to introduce the paranormal, the different, the strange, into our normal lives, and we'll see God moving in our reality, this supernatural thing, suspending scientific laws. Miracles do happen. You know, uh, the first miracle it recorded uh, in, the, in, in the Bible was right after the day of Pentecost, down the road, Peter and John are going to the temple, the Jewish temple there to worship. Uh, they, they went twice a day. They went at 9 o'clock in the morning and 3 in the afternoon. This was the normal time to, to attend uh, a worship service at the temple. And as they were going, they, they encounter and this is, uh, you've got to kind of put ourselves in the picture. They're on their way to this beautiful temple that is before them. This, this, is the, this is where God lives. This is the holy place and the most holy place that's there. It's the place Jesus went to. Jesus healed people in it. It was, it was there. So they're walking by and there's a, there's a man lame uh, that, that can't walk. He's, we find out as the story unfolds that he's been... Lame his whole life. He's 40-some years old. And uh, now this is not an unfamiliar situation for most of us. Most of us have been in a city where we walk by people sprawled out on the sidewalk, often begging. We get off an off-ramp, and we see someone with a sign. Uh, sometimes they, they've got puppies. Sometimes a whole family 
uh, is there. And they're, they're seeking a handout. And that's exactly what this man was doing. And now, this wasn't an isolated thing. There would have been uh, dozens and dozens of people maybe even hundreds of people who were blind, who were lame, who, who had deformities, who had different things that their families brought them there. The families were supporting them, but there was no welfare system or anything else. So they were collecting funds to support their family. So they'd be begging. And so uh, John and, and Peter are, are, are going by this, this man. And, and here's where you've got to kind of recognize our human nature in this too. As he encountered him, he did something that we try not to do. I'm speaking for myself. When, when we go down that sidewalk and see the person, we come off the off-ramp, there is a, there's a conscious effort, and, and to maybe to my shame, maybe not, uh, to not lock eyes. To not look at them and, ah, that's a person. That's a person, there's a need. Uh, Obviously, all of us uh, have, I would assume most of us at one time or another have felt led by God to do something to meet whatever the need is in front of you, whether it's giving them money or food or a leftover uh, Big Mac, and I don't know if you're helping them with that, but uh, some fast food. Uh, but we don't want to lock eyes unless God's leading us to do something. Well, it's the same thing because Peter and John had to overlook a bunch of people. And then they, they come to this man and they lock eyes with him. And Peter is led by God to do something unheard of. He reaches out and he grabs this guy and he pulls him to his feet. Can, can you imagine? This guy... It looks up, sees it, locks eyes, this guy, and he's got his hand out for a handout. But, but Peter comes to him and says, silver and gold have I none. Oh, rats. Oh, rats. Strong word. It, it, that, that was the Greek. That, <laughs> oh, rats. And he pulls him to his feet, and now he's standing there. And his feet straighten out. He's able to stand. He's got balance. He's able to move and do it. Not only that, but look what he does. His ankles are, ankles are made strong immediately. Leaping up, he stood and began to walk. He entered the temple. Think about it. Walking, leaping, and praising God. There's a book by Merle Carruthers, by the way, called Walking, Leaping, and Praising God, which describes the follow-on miracles that he had seen in his life and, and how to live our lives. Interesting book. But the point is, miracles. We read about them in the Bible. But do they happen today? You know, I, that's where we're going today to explore that. And I thought it might be beneficial because some people may be able to relate to my story. Uh, I encountered and have encountered multiple miracles. The first miracle in my life was after getting interested, hooked on God, and so I started to uh, read the Bible, study, uh, go to church. After six months of this, uh, the first miracle I encountered was, was unannounced, was un unknown. At the end of that service, the, the pastor uh, offered and said, well, if you believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he is and he died for your sins and you want to give up your life you know, crucified with Christ, 
so that he can live through you, then here's a prayer. Now, I said that prayer, and uh, I didn't know. I didn't. Matter of fact, I've said this before. I didn't know it took. I didn't know if God was on duty that day. So next week, I went and did the same thing. But th this, I was changed. I, there was nothing changed on the outside. But over the next six months, uh, I started to change. My thought life changed. I continued to read the Bible, continued to study, continued to go to church. Uh, but there was a change, some addictions to, to language, to thought life. They just went away. The nicotine was, was taken away during that time. Alcohol started to disappear during that time. So that was over this six-month period. And uh, I was a pilot in the Marine Corps. And then a year, less than a year later, uh, the Marine Corps, in all of their wisdom, said, go to China Lake. Where? <laughs> Let's talk. Uh, I came up here on a couple of things, and I visited up here. Said, you sure? And, yep, yep, I got orders, and orders are orders. So, actually, it was the best job in the Marine Corps for, for a gunship pilot that I was. Uh, at, VX, at that time, VX-5, uh, which has now grown up. It's VX-9. They had multiple changes there. Uh, but, so, came up here to be an operational test pilot. Uh, we came, and, and we arrived on, on May 17th, uh, 1976. It was 110 degrees. Today, we unpacked our furniture. We found out how to use a swamp cooler uh, very quickly. Not quick enough. We had to call housing and say, hey, it's hot in here. Open your windows, dummy. Okay. Uh, so we were here. I started to work here. Uh, as a Christian, we decided uh, at that time, because I've been a Christian now a whole six, seven months, I'm, I'm seasoned. So we started going to the chapel on the base, which was a big deal. And for those people who went back then, it was full. It was packed. This was before it was condemned. Uh, it was a happening place. Bob Leonard ran Sunday school classes. They had things going on. It was exciting. And they had snacks afterwards in, in the East Wing. So, whew, got that. Uh, it was a great time. But I started at that time to grow, to learn, to go to Sunday school classes, uh, taught I taught my kids in a Sunday school class, much to their chagrin. I took on my two daughters uh, and some of their friends. Things started happening, but there was no miracles. I was reading the Bible, and I was reading miracles taking place, and I knew something was out of place. I asked it in a Sunday school class once, and the chaplains that I was in the Sunday school with came from a denomination that believed that miracles stopped 2,000 years ago so that they wouldn't be taking place. And he said that, and I said, okay. And, but I, I knew Jesus was still Jesus. And I, I knew that miracles had to be taking place because the supernatural was moving. I was confused uh, in that area. And then uh, here's where I shift gears. Uh, one night, uh, Ronnie had gone to bed, the kids were in bed, and I was reading a magazine called Guidepost. Not normally a, a source of deep theology. This was, remember, this is, what, 40-some years ago. I'm reading it, and I read an article about a, a, a lady named Catherine Coleman. And the article was very simple. It was very straightforward. It was about a miraculous healing that took place. It documented her condition before, and it documented her condition afterwards. And I went, Miracles are still happening. Jesus is still healing. And the Pentecostals have captured him. We got to break him loose. We got to get him out of there. So uh, 
I am an inquisitive mind, to say the least. So I got the name Catherine Coleman. I started uh, reading books. She'd written four books, just case studies of her uh, of miracles that actually took place during her healing services. And then I read some of her biographies, and I read some positive biographies or negative biographies. And, and recently, just even a year ago, I read another book uh, that she was one of God's generals, spreading God's word. And so I, I, I was captivated by her. But, but I knew the truth. Miracles still happened. So interestingly, I didn't pray for money. I didn't pray for anything other than what was most important in my mind. I prayed for my marriage. At that time, we'd been married 14 years. We had stayed together in a very rough marriage because of the kids, because we are incredibly stubborn. And again, I say this often, and this is true. Marines would send me to Vietnam for a year. I would come back, and then we'd look good to each other for a while so we could make it. I had just come back from my second tour when this took place. And so, but I went in and I said, miracles still happen. Oh Lord. And so I went in and bowed down and got on my knees and in the, in the bedroom, Ronnie's asleep. And I said, Lord, the marriage, heal the marriage. I, I had no idea, but over the last 40 years, God has healed our marriage. It was a miracle because it, it was a miracle because in a natural way, a selfish person will never become unselfish. A prideful person, man and wife, will, will not become humble. That's a new nature that to, God did that. Uh, it, it, he transformed our marriage. The excitement was uh, that took place. Now, Catherine Coleman, strange lady. She would have uh, services down in L.A. and uh, she'd come once a month. And she would never say she healed anyone. She would have a service, and God would start healing people around her. And she would uh, say, someone up there is getting healed of cancer. This person that couldn't see can now see. You know, certain things, she'd call them out. And, uh, and then she'd call the person out, come to the stage and tell us what happened. We're going to watch one very short clip of a lady who could not hear out of one ear. So Catherine, during her service, Catherine, I called her by her first name. Catherine Coleman, Mrs. Coleman, Miss Coleman, excuse me, uh, called her out. She says, come to the stage. Let's watch what happens. Hold your good ear tightly closed. Turn around. Do you hear me now? Say, I love Jesus. <laughs> Say, praise. Say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How long have you been deaf in that Ever year? Ever since I was four years old. Ever since you were four. years ago that's been is nobody's business. <laughs> really? Yeah, four years old. I have signs. Where do you go to church? Yeah, Little Rock, Arkansas. It's a Calvary Baptist church. A Baptist church? She almost forgot what church she went to. I really am a Methodist. But really a Methodist. <laughs> <laughs> Well, whatever she was when she came, she'll never be the same again. I'll tell you that. Hold that ear tightly closed again. Do you hear me now? Yes, sir. Do you hear me now? Yep. Do you hear me whisper? I hear your whisper. Well, that's good enough. Give her a great big thumbs. One of, if you go online, you can watch services ad nauseum. Uh, 
What was taking place? I have no idea. Except God made a change in someone's life. Someone could not hear, could now hear. Uh, we, we see it in the Bible, the blind see, the, the lame walk, the dead come alive. Uh, that was all taking place through Jesus' ministry. All of these things were taking place, and we see it happening now. Uh, one clip that is too good not to show that we're going to watch, uh, and I recommend you watch the whole thing. It's on YouTube. It's Lee Strobel. Uh, for those of you familiar with Lee Strobel, he writes a book, The Case For, The Case for Christ, The Case for Faith, uh, The Case for Creator, and this is The Case for Miracles. What, as an investigative reporter, he came to Christ trying to debunk and, and debunk Christianity. He would go to a church service because his wife fell into the, crash, you know, the Christian pit and became a Christian and started following Jesus. So he was going there to, de to, to, to deliver her from these false teachings. So he was taking notes, but went to church enough times to come, become a Christian himself. So as a, a reporter and a writer, he wrote these books, Case For. Here's a short clip coming out of a case for uh, miracles. The lady's name is Barbara. Uh, as, 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 as she's going through this, she has multiple sclerosis. She has been deteriorating for 14 years. She's now bedridden. Her, everything is atrophied. Her hands are turned in. Her feet are turned in. Her legs have, have turned into almost toothpicks. Uh, there's, they put her on hospice. They figured she was going to die in a very short period of time. She had two friends visiting her. Let's pick up the story. It was a day like any other day for me. That was one spent confined to bed, unable to breathe on my own, hooked up to machines, a tracheostomy tube in my neck, my arms curled up, my legs curled up. I lay there trapped inside my own body is really how it felt. I had two friends over. They came over all the time. They were from my church. My church family never forgot me. So while they were there, I still remember exactly what they were reading when all of a sudden there were windows over this way and instantly I knew it was God. But instantly I also knew that my friends didn't hear that, hmm. which is kind of interesting too. Yeah. Um, and I needed to share with them what I heard. Well, I had this tracheostomy tube in my neck, that's how I breathed, and I had hands that did not work. So my friends said whenever I looked agitated, they knew I wanted to talk. So they'd come and plug the hole in my neck. And I said, I don't know what you're going to think about this, but God just told me to get up and walk. And my friends got really quiet. <laughs> I know, but he really did tell me to get up and walk. Run, get my family. I want them to be here. And um, my friends all of a sudden jumped up. And while they jumped, so did I. I was so excited, I couldn't wait for anyone. <laughs> And I literally jumped out of the bed. This, this is where you'd almost have to have known me to see how totally impossible that was. So this time, I remember reaching up and pulling my oxygen off my neck. I remember that. And then I jumped toward the voice. My friends are over here, but I jumped towards the voice. And as I jumped up, the first thing I remember isn't what I would think I would remember, but I jumped out of the bed, and I looked, and I saw my feet. They were flat on the ground just like everyone else's, which sounds normal, but not for me. I had foot drops so badly I couldn't even wear slippers on my feet. They were so curled. So when I jumped up to have feet flat, I was amazed and stood staring at my feet. And when I did that, I jumped like this, and then I saw my hands. 
and they were open, and they never opened. And so now they were open, and I stood staring at them, and then it dawned on me I could see me. That's what I would have thought I would have noticed mm. first was my vision, but I didn't. It I was noticed, back. You could see. It was back. I was perfectly fine. And I stood staring again for a little while, just feeling what it felt like to look at and see me. And then I turned, and that's when we were like women. We all started jumping up and down, screaming and thanking the Lord. I remember I didn't understand anything except where once I was real sick, I was well again. And it has to be God. That's all I knew. That's God. It, just a couple of interesting uh, things. Uh, her mother rushes into the room just after that moment when she first stands and she looks at her, and her mother gets down on her knees and puts her hand around her legs, which were like toothpicks. And they grew while she was holding them back to the normal strength of her legs. That night, it was Pentecost Sunday, by the way, that this took place uh, many years ago. But that night, after 14 years of not being able to walk in church or do anything, she walks into the evening service. She was walking, leaping and praising God. Uh, sound like almost a biblical event took place. What, what, was, what was taking place when things like that happened? Well, God's intervening. God is not limited by natural laws or anything else. He, he does what is right in each of these things. You know, this is supernatural healing that took place. I suggest you, you, you read the whole thing. Uh, or watch the whole thing on YouTube. It's, it's there. Uh, read the book on it and everything else. Now, this is what happened to the disciples. Uh, now, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people uh, by the hands of the apostles. And more and more believers were added to them. Uh, multitudes, both men and women, so that they carried the sick out into the streets and, and on cots. So when Peter went by, at least his shadow would fall on him. Just, just the shadow passing by would heal some people. Uh, God was pouring out miracles. The people gathered in towns around Jerusalem, bringing sick and those afflicted. It was, it was a, a time when God was on the move uh, there. But so we have to ask, why? Well, first off, the easy answer is because God wanted to. But we have to ask, why miracles then? Simply because God can do it. And he'll do it when it's the right thing to do for the people involved. It's not at our command. It's not at our demand. It's God moving in his sovereignty and his love for each person. One of the first verses I memorized as a Christian, uh, Behold, I'm the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? And one of the things that if we could walk out of here and I could walk each moment of my life with an understanding that there's nothing too hard for God, that he can do all things. God establishes his throne in heaven, is, he rules sovereignly over everything. And this is good news. God's eyes are searching throughout, to and fro throughout the whole world to strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. As we walk in Christ, God is watching to be able to bring uh, strong support to us. And in each circumstance, God is moving, and, and I, the expectation of a miracle, it, it, not in a, in a wild, I'm not doing anything till I see a miracle deal, but the expectation 
that Jesus may break in at any moment and do something. It's clear proof for the evidence of God, the supernatural reality that controls our world. Uh, he uses his gifts to help, to teach, and to move. And one thing about miracles, and uh, already we've kind of divided the room into a group of people that believe in miracles and a group of people that are skeptical to the point of saying, nah, I don't think so. Doesn't happen to me, not true. One thing about miracles is that they're objective evidence. Catherine Coleman's files, which are still maintained, she's been dead for decades, uh, hold all the records for before and all the records after, all the x-rays, all the diagnosis of cancer, all the broken, all of the stuff that people came to her services for. And they have documented proof of the malady. And then they have documented proof of the healing that took place. They still maintain those. All of these are situations that take place. Changes, the doctor's reports. Uh, great movies, by the way, and I encourage you because God's still doing miracles. That's, we want to get that across. Breakthrough, a young boy named John Smith falls through the ice, is underwater for over 20 minutes. We've shown the movie here. It's in the library. It's on, uh, uh, on, on YouTube. Uh, he falls through his ice. He is dead for, for, for well over 20 minutes, declared legally dead. They had given up. They gave the mother a chance to go in and visit him. Here's the doctor's report. Boy died. Mom prayed. Boy came alive. That's the doctor's report. Uh, very powerful movie. And how, it, by the way, I've gone to uh, websites and I've listened to this boy that was healed and transformed. He's still walking in the truth of that reality and proclaiming Christ. Miracles from heaven, a young girl, uh, incurable disease, falls down a tree, uh, 20 some feet, lands on her head, cures her of an incurable disease. They're documented. Uh, heaven is for real, young uh, Colton Burbo goes to heaven and comes back with him. These are things that are happening. They're, they're available uh, on the DVDs and the library books and on YouTube. Why? Miracles announce God's existence and draw people to himself. They draw people. They bring it to them. Uh, uh, in each of these things, uh, they, they believed the word. A number of men came to 5,000. So this, this miracle of the healing of the blind man results in 5,000 people coming to Christ. We went from 120 to 3,000 out of 5,000 people that are there. Multiple examples have taken place where the supernatural breaks in. Now, uh, I'm going to risk a time element and, and show one more video. Because when, you, when I read Christian news, one of the most common experiences that people talk about that are supernatural uh, is... After death experiences, they die, they have an accident, something happens to them. I've read books, videos, talked to people. I've had close to not, at least 10 people from Crossroads that have told me that they have died and come back and they told me what has happened. Let's watch one as we go through it. I went my whole life not believing that, that hell was real. I said, you know, I didn't want to believe in all that dark stuff, you know. I, there's no hell. That's what I thought. But there is a hell. Jordan Samuel believes there's a hell because he believes he's been there. I could hear cackling, like laughing, <laughs> like laughs, they were demons, I could hear stuff. 
earlier in his life, he never believed hell existed. If I live my life and do the best I can do, like karma-wise, you know, what goes around comes around, I'll just be the best man that I can be. He grew up in Edmonton, British Columbia with a single mom and went to a Catholic school. He was naturally inquisitive and asked a lot of questions about Jesus. How could one man come and just die for me? And, you know, who is this guy? And for that, he was kicked out of class. But my third time getting kicked out of class, I remember saying, you know what? I never want to know this Jesus guy. Whoever he is, he just gets me in trouble and I just get kicked out of class and no one wants to give me answers about him and this is how people treat me. I don't want to know. His mom married and for the next 15 years, Jordan says his family life was great. Then his mom and stepdad divorced. Jordan was devastated. The only way he knew how to deal with the pain was to rebel. So whether that was drinking and driving with buddies and underage driving, stealing cars and, you know, getting stereos and having the thrill of, you know, almost someone catching me, but not quite. For the next four years, Jordan continued his reckless behavior, but he wanted to turn his life around. So he stopped selling drugs and started working for an oil rig company. I was making really good money at a really good house. After work one day, Jordan decided to smoke some pot. He didn't know the pipe he used was laced with crack cocaine, something he had never done before. Jordan was sure he was dying. I can feel my heart going boop, 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 slowing down, boop, 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 and then like fluttering. Jordan believes in that moment he went to hell. All these women and all the things you think you want in the world, money, car, success, you know, um, all these things that I had I, and I was driving, I was just loving it. And then all of a sudden this car broke down. All of a sudden these women turned to huge, huge demons and the, it, it, it earthquaked. And I look behind me and I can hear screaming, it's all red and black. <sighs> Turn around, Turn around, get out of here. It sounded like people burning, people that were just just burning that couldn't find a cure or a fix to anything. It was just the worst. And I remember being afraid, gripping the steering wheel. And all of a sudden it was like, I'm back to my body in the trailer room. As Jordan was taking what he thought was his last breath, he made a declaration of faith to God. And my heart's went, boom, boom, like the last beat. Not even knowing why, I just said, believe. And all of a sudden, boom, I'm gone. That's when Jordan says Jesus pulled him out of hell and took him to heaven. He was all in white. He was in a robe when I saw him. And he looked at me and he wears a crown on his head. And his eyes are fierce like fire, but there is no like, like color, just bright looking at me. And he's just, he's like, just, he just is amazing. You're at his feet. You're at the Lord's feet because he's just perfect. You worship him because he's the almighty. You worship him because he's, he's, he saved us. Then Jordan believes he was standing before God. The Lord went to the right hand of the father and I began to get judged by the father. And it was the worst because what happened was he, he played secrets in my heart that I locked away that I only knew that I ever did. And I thought no one could do and I could feel what God felt. And I said, Lord, forgive me. Like it was the worst feeling. 
he just comes in and he hugs you. He says, all is forgiven. My old heart was, was broken. My old heart needed fixing. And God gave me a new heart. All of a sudden, he told me he loved me, that I'm not alone, that I've never been alone. He showed me all the times in my life where I thought I was lucky, that I thought I was alone, but how his hand was always just upon me. And he was always right there pursuing me nonstop. He hugged me again, told me he loved me. And all of a sudden I was like, Whoosh. I'm back in my trailer room on the floor. I grabbed the Bible. It was like it was glowing and I held it. I opened up the Bible. First thing I ever read out of the Bible was Psalms 34, the happiness of those who trust in God. I began to read it and it was everything that just happened to me. Only God can do that. Jordan shared his journey to heaven and hell with his girlfriend, Danica. His voice changed, his eyes changed, his body language changed. Everything about him was new. It was different. So there was no doubting that he had had the experience that he did. My mouth, my words, swearing, everything was like cleansed, like cleansed. I was delivered from any addiction I had. Today, Jordan and Danica are married with two children. They're missionaries preaching the gospel around the world. They're letting everyone know Jesus is real and that he can change the most hardened heart with his love. God loves the broken and loves the lost and he doesn't give up on them. He loves them with all his heart. He leaves the flock to find the one, and he did. You know, I, I've watched so many of these, and, and there's a reality that's taking place. I, I don't understand any of it, and I don't know which. I know that I've heard some. I go, I don't know. Some are true. He changed. His eyes changed, his words changed, his attitude, his body language. People who knew him saw the change that took place inside of his life. Uh, changes do take place. Uh, why? 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 Uh, it's God's way of announcing himself to the world. You know, he, so, he shows himself in power. That's what when Peter got up after healing the, the man that was lame, he, he just lets it be known. Let you to all people, by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, right in their face again from last week. Uh, this man is standing before you. Jesus brought it about. And uh, there's only one name by which we can be saved. That's Christ, the boldness of Peter. What was the boldness of Peter? They said they couldn't figure it out. He's untrained. He's clueless. He's an old fisherman. Nothing against fishermen. He's an old fisherman. And what does he do? Oh, he'd been with Jesus. That was the difference. You know, why miracles? Uh, it shows God's compassion. It shows God's love for people. He went through the town. When Jesus was here, he healed people. He healed the blind. He raised the dead. There was a mother in Nain when her, her husband was dead, her son was dead. And that day, that was just the worst that could happen. So he comes and he puts his hand and raises the son up. One of my favorite, and, I, and maybe you have some too, but my favorite is when he healed lepers. We don't understand leprosy today. It's this disease that everything rots off your body, slowly but surely. Uh, everything is rotting and decaying. You smell, you stink. Everyone has to keep away from you. If they touch you, uh, then it's spread that way from one person to another. Hideous disease. They had to stay separate. Whenever they came around people, they had to yell, unclean, unclean, so people would see them. And Jesus healed them, not just from a distance. 
didn't send an email. He went and he hugged them. He touched them. And, and healed them personally and up front. This, this is God moving in his compassion. And the best is the changed life in a human being. I, I've used this photo so many times that this is a 1928 Model A Ford, had a 40 horsepower engine. It was replaced uh, with something like, I think it's a thousand horsepower. It, it used to go 40 or 60 miles an hour, and now it'll go 600 miles an hour. That's a Christian. We don't, it, it doesn't show, but inside of us, the potential, the ability to do what God calls us to do is the reality that we look in miracles change people. Peter was a fisherman, so God does a miracle. He brings an abundant catch, which had to be supernatural. Paul, persecuting Christians. Jesus shows up on to him the road and gives him a vision of himself and a mission to go out. Miracles to change people's lives. Why not miracles? Why aren't they happening around us today? Uh, well, first off, is this, this is a, a big if when we ask for a miracle. This is the confidence that we have toward Jesus. If, if we ask anything according to his will, and we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we will have the request if we ask according to his will. One of the things that uh, my presumptuous attitude or, or, or behavior is I think I know what God wants. Obviously, he wants this, he wants that. No. Uh, the, the seeking out God's will, God's heart, God's way, and God's timing is just a huge deal. It's not, a, uh, it's not this laborious task, but it's, it's just recognizing the truth. God is sovereign. He rules. He reigns. He moves and does miracles and chooses not to do miracles, which is best in that situation. And, and we can't understand it. It's, it's, it's beyond us. His ways and, and his ways are, 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 his love is always the same, but his ways are different. Prayers to righteous people, Jesus Christ in the garden, and, and the Apostle Paul both asked God, Jesus asked that, well, if this is necessary, it's part of the whole plan, but Jesus puts a prayer out. He knows the deal. He knows what God's going to say. But it's, it's an example for us to pray in all circumstances. Paul, who has an experience just like we saw in that video and goes to heaven and sees God and comes back, he has now has something wrong in his body that he asked God to take away. God says, no, you're gonna, that's going to help you with your humility as you go forward. Both, obviously, love God and everything else, answered differently and in different ways, the, but the humility of both toward God. And here's a verse that, that reminds me, uh, reminds me of God's sovereignty. Uh, God has consigned all, everyone, to disobedience that he may have mercy on all of us. Here's where it Here's where it goes to where we're not going to understand. And he goes, oh, the depth, the riches, the wisdom, the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and inscrutable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Uh, my, and again, I'm guilty of this when I'm not careful. I become God's counselor. I, in my ultimate wisdom, can see what should be done. And so I go, and, and, and in a prayer, God, what about, we, 
God's ways are higher than ours. His are better than ours. Not that we shouldn't pray. Not that we shouldn't ask. Not that we shouldn't seek God for where we should pray. We stand before God and with this person we want a miracle for or ourselves needing a miracle. But we stand before God. Perfect love, perfect wisdom, perfect timing. And there's a humility that comes with that and a trust, not in the miracle, a trust in God that he's going to do it is absolutely best. So some of the reasons we, we, try and, we try and demand these different things. You know, a lack of faith. We just don't believe. Now, I, I, I know that this is very important in today's teaching in our world. We put this train out and we say that Christianity is their facts. This is the truth, just like the documented Proof that God has healed in the past in different situations. Proof that God has acted in certain ways. Uh, we, there's facts. We have faith in the facts and we follow the faith. We, we do what the facts tell us to do and then feelings follow. We have people teaching today that faith is the most important thing. Not based on facts. If I have faith, I can do anything. I can command God and he'll do it. It's called the faith movement. It's probably 40% of the uh, churches and maybe even Christians in, in our town, they, they believe that it's their faith to get things done. It's not God's decision. If they have enough faith and if a person's not healed when they pray for them or the miracle doesn't happen, oh, if it's not enough faith, it stinks to be you. Not a good situation. Faith. We ask believing we'll have faith, but the assurance of things hoped for, this is based on the evidence of who Jesus is. The, the evidence is what the assurance of things hoped for. Uh, people of old receive commendation by it. Believe that God can do miracles, not that we demand him to do miracles. But the problem that we come into is we pin our hope on the miracle. No, pin our hope on God. That's where, that's the true miracle of being able to trust him, even if he chooses not to respond to that. Faith in a God that, that is in front of us. You know, I want to, I want to do this for just a second because this verse uh, brings it out. Uh, start down without faith that it it's impossible to please God. Okay. Just before that, it says conviction of things not seen. For by faith, by faith, the people of old receive commendation. They understand that the universe was created. The teaching of the Bible, and this is just bear with me for a second, is that God spoke everything that we know in this reality into existence. That takes faith to believe that. It takes more faith not to believe it. Because to believe the ruling teaching today of evolution requires us to set aside at least a dozen known laws of science. The laws of entropy, they have to be voided. Uh, the laws of biogenesis, it says nothing, organic life, uh, life does not come from inorganic material. It's impossible to do that. It's, it says that mutations don't ever go up, they always go down. All of these and multiple more, there's a long list of them. That's the miracle of creation is nothing compared to what evolutionists want you to believe in the suspending of the laws that govern our society. I could go on, I'm done. 
But believing that God is the creator gives him the position of power to be able to speak to these things. He becomes the object of our faith in each and every one of them. You know, uh, when we ask for something, I'm going to talk about what will block it. I'm going to skip, and, and, and I'm going to go down to what keeps sin from happening, the block of communication. It, sin blocks communication with God. Uh, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says, The arm of the Lord is, is not so short that he can't do a miracle. His ear is not so dull that he can't hear you. But our sin separates him. It's, it's a sad time when, when we choose to continue to sin, and yet we have the boldness to stand for, in front of God and ask for miracles. I, we're all sinners. We all fall short. But to be willfully sinning, God says, if that's the case, our iniquities have made a separation between us and our God. So often, when prayers aren't being answered, look in the area of sin in each of these areas. Uh, again, I want to I jump down to the next thing is the lack of repentance. Uh, we're told in Acts 3.19, it says, Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out in times of refreshing might be able to come to you in the presence of the Lord. Uh, this is repent. This is, this is the, the verse that everyone quotes uh, for our nation. When I shut up heaven, there's no rain, command, or anything else. Pestilence, I send COVID-19. When God sends these things, when he sends drought to the Indian Wells Valley, uh, when he commands locusts to devour the land. I had a lizard eat my, my plant in my garden the other day. Uh, I'm going to go lizard hunting if any you young men want to join me on that life to hunt. That was a side trip free. Uh, if pestilence uh, among my people, COVID-19, uh, if my people who are called will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then you'll hear from heaven. As a nation, if we want healing, we got to turn from our sin. we got to stop singing God bless America and start singing America bless God. One heart at a time. This, this, what, the, the desire for that. Now, one last warning. When we step into the world of supernatural, we have to realize that there's, there's, there's two realms in the supernatural world. There's God and the Holy Spirit and the power of that, but there's also Satan and his power. And he brings about false miracles, false everything that's there. Beware of false prophets uh, when they come among you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they're ravenous wolves uh, that take place inside of their lives. You know, this is, this is the reality that we walk into. Uh, my personal belief is that uh, so many times Satan is listening in, and he'll answer a prayer. He, he'll give more money than God will because often money destroys people. Uh, there, there's, there are miracles of healing that is done by Satan. Uh, there's bloodless operations and voodoo stuff that actually has physical power in the reality uh, that we move in, in the paranormal. But it's not God. How do we know? God's not glorified. God's not recognized. God is not held up in situations like that. Uh, false prophets, they're out to get their attention. Look at the scary verse at the end that takes place. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but those who do the will of my Father. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? This is, 
Didn't we prophesy in your name? Did, didn't we do mighty many works, uh, cast out demons, all of these things in your name? And Jesus will say, yeah, you did those things. But I never knew you. That's a scary verse. Carefully watch the fruit that when, when we're interacting with God and when you see miracles in life, see if there's a transformed spirit, a transformed heart, uh, as God has moved and, and brought about that. You know, this, this is a challenging area for all of us, but the problem is, and just, I'll just get this out, uh, what the reason for this message particularly is not so much to talk about miracles, but to have all of us recognize that there's a supernatural reality that we can call on. We can call on miracles and look for miracles. We can't demand them, but we, when we see them, we can be thankful. When, when we hold a baby, that's a miracle. We can be thankful. When we see God moving and healing someone, that's a miracle. Uh, be thankful for each of those things. Uh, the excitement, what's the summary and the, the application to it? Just really simple. Uh, many signs and wonders who are regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. Today, if, and if you're interested, there's multiple books talking about miracles today. Tomorrow, next week, we talk about persecution and the miracles that are taking place in the world. There's, it, it's, I, I could, geez, got one whole minute. Uh, if you're, there's a book called Miraculous Movements. It is a book documenting God moving in the Muslim world, bringing people to Christ. People being healed. An imam comes to know Christ uh, supernaturally. He takes his whole congregation, and they all become Christ. These are miracles that are taking place there in China, inside the persecuted church. These things are, the dead is being raised. One of the fun things, and if you, if you haven't done it, I encourage you to go to YouTube, the source of all wisdom and knowledge, for the visually uh, challenged, uh, and type in Muslims seeing Jesus. Listen to their stories. See Jesus showing up and talking to them. See the changed lives, the things that take place that can only be defined as miracles. God is still a miracle-working God in our world, in our community, and in our lives. The encouragement is, is to recognize that. Join me in prayer. Father, we, we first call upon the greatest of miracles, that we, sinners, fallen sinners, can stand in the presence of a holy God because of Jesus Christ and the cleansing of our sins. Lord, we thank you for the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness, that miracle that you've put upon each of us, the new life. Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes to the supernatural and open our spirits to wisdom, discernment, and understanding. We thank you, Lord, uh, that you will do that because we ask, not in our name, but in the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. Join us next week. It will be on persecution because that's immediately what happens to the church. Thanks very much for coming.